0: Isn't that true this morning that that Jesus is worthy to be praised? And and I hope this morning, as we're coming to this time of looking at God's word, that he is your all-in-all, and that you know him as as your Lord and Savior, and and that you are following him today. But if you will, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter one, verses twelve through twenty, is where we'll be today. Philippians chapter one Verses 12 through 20. Last week we started uh, our, our journey through the book of Philippians. And what we're seeking to do with this series and with the series that will follow as we go through Scripture is to see and to try to get everything that we're able to from Scripture. We, we know that the Bible is God's Word and it has truth about who God is, who we are, and how we can follow Him more closely. We see what He expects, what He commands, and how we can follow Him in that and I'll tell you, as I've been prepared for this week, and as I was looking forward into the kind of where we'll be going in the next couple weeks, I'm just kind of blown away by how much truth there is in God's Word, how much there is that we can see, and how much that He loves us and how much that He cares for us and and you know, the example we have to follow in Scripture. And we have the commands that we are to follow that we see in scripture. and And today went a, a different direction than I initially planned in many ways as I began to look at this and to deal with what God is saying in this passage. But you'll see we're looking about when bad things happen. What do we do when bad things happen? And It doesn't take very long to look around in, in your own life or the life of those you know or the world in general to see that there are many bad things that happened and evil that exists. So with that in mind, knowing that Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians from prison from jail we will start this passage now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and they to even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for Your Word, we thank You for the the truth that we see, the the example we see of, of believers that have lived long before us that were following You, saved by the same grace that we are saved by, preaching the same gospel we believe today and proclaim today. God, I pray that as we look at this idea, this understanding that bad things happen in our lives, as we see that Paul is dealing with bad things that have happened to him, pray you'll help us to understand what it means and then how we should interact in these circumstances. I pray that you'll help us to seek you and to know you more today. That you'll remove any distractions, any preconceived ideas that we have and submit ourselves to you. In obedience to you and obedience to what your word says. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this passage... There's a few things that I think we're just going to lay out and make sure we're on the same page about. Paul tells the Philippians it is really a good thing that he is in jail. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the Gospel. So Paul's whole mission, his whole purpose is to be a missionary, to proclaim Christ to the world. And he says, hey, I'm in jail, but that's actually advanced the Gospel. There have been good things that have come From this, he's been able to spread the gospel and the brothers in Christ have been emboldened by Paul's imprisonment. It's kind of counterintuitive, don't you think, that that Paul is put in jail because of Christ. As he says, it's clear to everyone, I'm in jail because I am in Jesus Christ. And and his brothers and sisters in Christ have then become more emboldened to proclaim the gospel. Well, We'll see as we get later into this why that might be. But we also see another bad thing that's happening. So not only are those who are preaching more bold, but there are those who want to cause trouble for Paul by preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. He talks about, to be sure in in, in verse 15, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. And then going on to say, "The the others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. So, but but what does it matter, he says, only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. So people are coming, trying to to give him trouble, trying to to cause problems for him as he is sharing, or as he is imprisoned, thinking they're going to cause problems by sharing the gospel for their own selfish ambition, for their own false motives. But he says, hey, it doesn't matter. All that matters is, is that Christ is proclaimed. Whether it's from good motives or bad motives, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. So it's a good thing that people are trying to cause him trouble because the gospel is being proclaimed. And he's saying that through all of this, his expectation, his eager expectation and hope is that he will not be ashamed about anything, but whether it's in life or death, that Christ will be highly honored in his body. So what do we see here? There's one thing that when I, when I began to read this, it was impressed very importantly and very clearly upon me is that Paul has a clear optimistic outlook about the situation that he's in. Paul has a clear positive spin on everything that he is going through. Every trial that he faces, every person that comes against him, every, even the face of death, there is a positive outlook. There is an optimism about what is happening. So up front, we're going to establish, I think the main thing that we're going to take away from this today is that Christians should have optimistic outlooks when bad things happen. That's a difficult statement. When bad things happen to us, how can we have an optimistic outlook about that? How can Paul be in prison having people that are seeking to to build their own selfish kingdoms? How can he know that he might face death because of Christ and be optimistic They have a positive outlook? That's what we're going to try to work through today. And and to do that, we're going to have to look at at the, the whole counsel of Scripture to understand why is Paul speaking the way he's speaking here? How can we look at this example and follow it? So we're going to look at that today. Because Paul's attitude in this passage is reminiscent of several passages we see leading to this idea. Jesus in Matthew 5:11 through 12 says you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me be glad and rejoice. That's what we see Paul doing here, right? He's glad and he's rejoicing because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is echoed in James, consider it great joy my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. So what we will seek to answer today is this. How do we apply this mindset we see exemplified by Paul and commanded in Scripture in our lives? When bad things happen, how can we respond in a way that is glorifying to God? To to do that, the first thing we have to start with is by understanding that bad things will happen. Bad things will happen. We see without exception that bad things are happening in the life of Paul. And it's one of the most unfortunate realities of this life is that evil exists and bad things will happen. There is sickness in this world. There are accidents in this world. There are natural disasters. There are people who, because of their own sinfulness, will hurt you. They will do things to you. You will be the victim of other people. It does not matter who you are. Or where you come from, one of the things that is clear is that you cannot escape this. Young, old, rich, poor, bad things can happen and do happen to everyone. The reason that all of these things happen, the reason all these things exist is because of sin that is in the world. Because of the first sin from that moment, evil entered into the world. And what was created to be perfect and union with God in the garden was broken. In disease and brokenness, all of these things entered into the world. And we see throughout Scripture examples of bad things happening even to people who are most closely following God, who are chosen to be God's people in this world. Right? One of, one of the clear examples of this is Joseph. In Genesis, where where Joseph is is the son, he has the coat of many colors, right? And and he is uh, beloved by his father. And his brothers are kind of jealous of that. Because of their sin, what do they do? They take him into the wilderness and sell him into slavery and tell their father he was attacked and and, and is dead. And and through this, he he gets into a good position. He's in in Potiphar's house, and he's a, a beloved servant there. But what happens there? His wife lies about him says that, that Joseph attacked her. So Joseph is put into prison. But what happens there? He gets into the highest position because of his ability to, to interpret the Pharaoh's dreams. But, but we see that Joseph had many bad things that happened to him. We see Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. Right after he, he goes toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal, what do we see? The, the queen Jezebel speaking murderous threats against him threatening to take his life. Then who can forget the book of Job? Where a man that that God says is His his servant who's devoted to Him has everything taken from Him. Calamity comes upon Him. In John 16.33, we see Jesus say that you will have suffering in this world. One of the most common questions that people have, and I think it's one that we often don't try to deal with too much, but we have to, is why do bad things happen? And this question leads to one of the most common objections that is used against the idea of a good God. And that's the problem of evil. And Epicurus, an ancient Greek philosopher, was one of the people that put this forth against the idea of a good, all-powerful loving God, he says this, that if God is willing to prevent evil but not able, then he is not omnipotent. If he is able but not willing, then he is malevolent. If he is both able and willing, then whence whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? So let's break that down. If, If God wants to prevent evil, but can't, He's not powerful. That's what is the argument that he's saying here. If he's able, but not willing, then he's malevolent. He's evil. He's not good. If he's both able and willing, then there should not be evil. Is he neither able or, or willing? Then why would we call him God? This is his argument for against the existence of a all powerful good God, because there is evil in the world. This is called the problem of evil. So how do we deal with this i think the easy thing that often happens is we tend to kind of ignore that but i want to dig into this a little bit today we have to address this problem why are there bad things we, we have to believe and to know when this is a hard thing to know and to believe at times god is sovereign over evil but he is not the author of it god is in control god is good and evil exists. God allows evil to exist, but does not the author of evil? How do we reconcile these things? Well, well, first, when we look at what we say we believe about God, we know that that has to be what's true. The Baptist faith and message. When we look at it, it just its explanation of what we believe about God. There is one. There's one and only one living and true God. He is intelligent, spiritual, and personal being the Creator, Redeemer, pers- Preserver, r- and Ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and His perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decision of His free creatures. To Him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals Himself to us as Father, Son, And Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. The important part of that for us today to focus on He is the, the, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. When I said sovereign, He is sovereign over evil, He rules over everything. There is nothing that exists that God is not over. He is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is powerful in all-knowing. And His perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, future, including the future decisions of His free creatures. So God knows what will happen. He knows when evil things will come to take place. And He allows them to happen. Why? How do we deal with this? God knows evil will happen. God is powerful enough to stop evil. He's all-powerful, as we've said but He allows it. Why? I think the question that we need to ask to that is at what level do we want God to do away with evil? You See, there was a time that we see in Scripture that God did away with most evil. The days of Noah, man was so evil that it says what, God regretted that He had made man. And so because of that, God judged their sin. He judged their evil. He he eliminated evil. Except for for eight people. Noah and his family. Destroyed the world because of its evil. So if we ask the question, if we, we ask why does God allow evil, do we understand what that implies? Sin is evil. All people are sinful. If we want God to destroy evil, that would mean the destruction of all people. God's reason for allowing evil is because of His grace for us. His, His patience in allowing of these things is so that we would be able to be redeemed to have a relationship with Him. He destroyed the world and and saved eight people and they were sinful that's why sin is still in the world but the main reason we can understand and and to realize is that if we wanted god to destroy evil that would mean that we would be destroyed as well so he has grace for us but how this existence of evil and how we can have this attitude that paul has this "I, i this optimistic, this positive outlook when evil things and bad things happen in our lives, how do we get there? And we'll get to that. But first I think we need to admit that when bad things happen, it stinks. And I think that's important. And we see that in Scripture, that when bad things happen, the reaction that you have is understandable. We see Paul expressing a resolute attitude about his circumstances And it could cause us to feel inferior when we don't immediately have this attitude. And and to be clear, this is the attitude we should have. But how do we get there? In Scripture, we have abundant examples of people working their way to this position. And I want to be clear, I think that for a time and, and for a season, it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes it's okay to not be okay. In Scripture, we see people struggle with the difficulties that they face. Or we mentioned Joseph. I don't know that in every moment he was seeing the good of what was happening. When he was left for dead. When he was, when he was being falsely accused. I don't know that he was experiencing that in a positive way at that time. We see Elijah, his response in 1 Kings chapter 19 to run in fear, to cower, and to say, I wish I was dead. I'm no better than any of my forefathers. I wish I was dead. The book of Job, finally, we see where he, he questions. He's like, why are these things happening to me at the end? Why is this happening? We see David when he's running from Saul that's persecuting. He says, and when he authored Psalm 6, 6-7, through 7, I'm weary from my groaning. My tears, with my tears I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all my enemies. It is human to react to difficult things. When bad things happen, when you face evil circumstances, it is human and and normal to feel the emotions those things cause in our life. When a loved one passes, it's normal to experience grief. When, When things don't go your way, it's normal to experience those negative emotions. Like any battle with sin that we face, we can overcome these things if we're faithful and obedient to God and allow Him to do the work. Because it's only sinful if we allow these events to control us. Are we going to allow these evil things, these bad things, to control and dictate our lives? Or are we going to to allow God to control and dictate our lives? Like I said, with, like with any battle with sin, like anything that we struggle with, like anything, any part of discipleship that we are taking part in, it takes, it's going to a place where our reactions to the, the, our, the events of life are in line with God's calling. And this takes discipline and transformation. This takes time. It won't happen immediately. We cannot expect to immediately be able to, to have this sort of reaction to the worst things in life. But ultimately, this is the response that we should have. An optimistic, joyful response when bad things happen to us. So how is this possible? It's possible when we understand that God will use bad things for our good and His glory. God will use bad things for our good and for His glory. Now I want to address something at the start of this. There's a phrase that people often say in moments of hardships to others. And it's normally from a very good place in a place of wanting to help and a place of wanting to care, uh, but often it doesn't come across that way. People will often say everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And, and oftentimes people take that the wrong way because it sounds like the bad thing that happened was supposed to happen and it was the, the, a good thing that happened. Right? That's not what we're saying. And I don't think that's what people are trying to say when they say that. When we are saying that God will use bad things for our good and for His glory, we are not saying that bad things are good. There's nothing good about people doing evil things. That's why it's evil. But but the thing that we see is that God will take even those things And use them for good. This is Paul in this passage is expressing how God is doing that. He's expressing what he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. He is living as though He believes what He wrote to the church in Rome. Don't we love that? When people say something and then they live it out, you can see it in their lives. He says all things work together for the good of those who love God. That includes the evil and bad things we experience. They're bad, they hurt, but God can and will work good from even the worst places. This is what we see in these stories that we've talked about. In Joseph's story, he was betrayed, left for dead, lied about, but God had other plans. He was elevated to the highest position for the preservation of the kingdom and for his family. And here are Joseph's words to his brothers as he forgives them. It's the very end of the book of Genesis. His, his father dies. His brothers are afraid. They're like, hey, the only reason he hasn't taken revenge upon us is because our father was alive. Now that he's dead, he's certainly going to have us put to death or to punish us in some way. And so let's tell him that our Father's dying wish was that He wouldn't hurt us, that, we, that He would forgive us. And here's what Joseph says in Genesis fifty twenty: You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. This is the reality of how God works. He takes evil and bad things and turns them on their head for the good of those who love Him. And He does it also for His glory. Max Lucato says it in this way, in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. This does not mean that the things that happened were good, but that God can take these things and work them for our good. So in Paul's case, he's thrown in jail. But what has happened to me has actually advanced the Gospel. There are people who are preaching from rivalry and envy. But what is really happening is that Christ is being proclaimed. And what you see is you have two options here. He can look and He can be pessimistic and and look at the evil of the circumstances. I'm in jail. I've done nothing wrong. I'm proclaiming the good news of salvation for all who believe. He could throw a pity party. He could wallow in the suffering that He has. Or He can see the good. hey, the whole guard knows I'm here because of Christ. And the gospel is being proclaimed among them. These people are seeking to to undo the work that I've done. They're seeking to build their own self-esteem. They're seeking to preach Christ for the wrong reasons. But no, Christ is being proclaimed. The things that have happened to us can and will be used for our benefit and the benefit of others in the glory of God. Of God. We won't always understand it. We won't always know how. But it will happen. The most evil thing to ever happen. The crucifixion of of Jesus. God in the flesh. Perfect. Killed. Hung on a cross. Resulted in the salvation for all who would believe. So from, from an evil action The salvation of people who would believe. And and Paul acknowledges the absurdity of this in 1 Corinthians 1.23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The things that have happened to us can and will be used for our benefit. The benefit of others and the glory of God. When we understand this, when we internalize and realize that God is good, and we believe and we know that He will work all things for the good of those who love Him, we can understand how when bad things happen, when our circumstances are less than ideal, we can look and see God can and will use this for my good and His glory. He's not viewing Paul is not viewing his circumstances by the detriment they cause but by the good that God can and it can do and is doing through them. This does not negate the difficulty of the circumstances we face. But it should lead us to an unbridled optimism about the circumstances we find ourselves in. I have no doubt in your life that you can look back you can look back and see times in your life where Things were difficult, or things were hard, or you faced bad things, but you can look back and see good that came from those things. You can look back and see hard things that you faced, that you came through, and you see how God has worked in those things. One of, one of the things I, I've shared with some of you at different times, but one of the hardest times that I faced when I was young was when I was injured. Right, baseball was my life when I was fourteen years old. I, I thought that was everything to me, and, and in an instant, it was taken. At least it appeared that it was taken. My my shoulder was injured. I, I had dreams and aspirations of a, of a long career of baseball, and my shoulder was injured. And so for a season, I was unable to play. I didn't. I kind of was a little lost. Didn't know who I was because I found so much identity in that. But through this time of not having the thing I love so much, so much, I was in a place where God called me to ministry. Now I don't know for sure, and I can't say for sure, but I don't know if I would have listened had I had everything I wanted. If I had been living everything and living selfishly and had all these things in my life, I don't know if I would have listened. So from this bad circumstance, there was good. No doubt in your life you can look and see all of the ways God has worked in and through your life. And again, I cannot stress this enough. That does not mean that these bad things are good things. But even from the worst circumstances, God can work for the good. And We should approach all aspects of our life in this way. And it won't be easy, but through the power of the Holy Spirit it is possible. We can live this way unashamed and bold, because we, like Paul, know that at the end of this all, we will realize the hope of our salvation. And that's what he says at the end of this passage. That whether by life or by death, whether it's deliverance from this bondage and I get to proclaim Christ, or whether it's dying and being faithful to Christ, I know that God will be glorified. Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And he knows that at the end of that is salvation. Our goal being that Christ is highly highly honored in our bodies, whether by life or by death. If that is our goal, then the bad things we face are secondary. Because we can live this way because we believe the Gospel. We believe that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life, like it says in John 3.16. Because if you believe that, these bad things are coming to an end. We believe what it says in Revelation 21, 3-4. Then I heard a loud voice come from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and He will live with them. They will be His peoples. And God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. This is the reality, is that these evil and bad things that happen are coming to an end. What we have to look forward to is an eternity with God. And if we believe that, we know that these things are worth enduring. We know that God will work them ultimately for our good. And that no matter what, no one can take the eternal life that's promised to us. At the beginning, when we talked about bad things happening, I read a part of John 16.33. I read just a a portion. The fullness of that, that verse says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Everything that we face, the bad, the evil, all of these things that exist that are are passing away, that are coming to an end, Christ is already overcome by what he did on the cross, by the salvation that he has offered to us. And so this morning, as we're coming to our, our time of invitation, I want to ask you, where are you this morning? Are you hurting and struggling with the evil and bad things you've experienced? I want to challenge you this morning to give those things to God. To seek Him. To trust Him. To know that He is good. And that no matter what has happened to you, no matter what will happen to you, God can work it together for your good. And that no matter what, whether you come to understand what that good will be, that one day He will wipe every tear from your eye. Every every pain, everything you've experienced will pass away. And you'll be with Him for eternity. Can you, can you do that this morning? Can you lay those things down before Him and trust Him that He is good? And be able to encounter this life with, with the optimism that Paul has. To see the good that God will do even in the worst of circumstances. The other question I have for you is do you have a relationship with God this morning? Have you had the understanding that the evil in this world that we hate so much includes you? Includes your sinfulness? Includes all of the things about you that that you don't like? And that the existence of evil is God's grace to you allowing you the opportunity to repent and believe, to turn from your sin? The fact that you're here this morning if you don't have a relationship with Him is God's love and grace for you to turn away from your sin, to believe that Jesus has died for you, and to make Him your Lord and Savior, and to, to accept and to believe this promise that every bad thing, every difficult thing you've encountered will be worked together for your good. That This promise of eternal life and and eternity in heaven where there is no crying or or death or pain anymore is for you if you believe that Jesus died for you. But you have to believe. You have to respond to this this gift, this, this free offer of what Jesus has done. Jesus died so you could be forgiven and made right with God. And I challenge you, I implore you to turn to Him today Because He has been very patient and expressed great love for you. As Becky comes in a moment and we have this time of invitation, I want to challenge you to work through where you are. Because we all deal with this. We all face difficult things. And the unfortunate reality of this world is there is probably more that each of us will face. Let us all respond and have the attitude that God calls us to have. I'll be down front for prayer if you you need to pray through anything. If you need to believe in Christ for the very first time as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for this time that You've given us. We thank You for this day that we have to gather together to worship You. And Father, we thank You for Your patience. That You bear with us. That You've made a way for us to be saved instead of destroying us and giving us the punishment we all deserve. And God, I pray that we would live like people who have believed in that, that we would rejoice and and look at trials and tribulations as ways that we are able to grow in our faith and to see the ways that You'll work through them. That You'll turn the evil on its head and use it for good. And Father, I pray that if any don't know You today, that today would be the day they realize and understand just how much You love just how much you have done for them, that they wouldn't wait any longer, but would give them their life to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.